All right. Welcome to Stay at Home Dads Podcast. Your host, Justin, here with you once again to the place I talk about a lot of dad stuff as well as a lot of guy stuff. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening and tuning in. And if you're a new listener or you just stumbled across this amazing podcast, right? If you just got here and you like what you hear, just go ahead and on the streaming platform that you're on, just go ahead and hit subscribe or or follow or whatever. And if you would, go ahead and pop over to podbean.com. And you can like and follow me over there as well. And you can probably send me a message. So if you're so inclined to do any of those things, I would really appreciate it. That's all I'm saying. Anyways, I hope everyone had a great 4th of July. Had a nice long weekend, a couple days off. Party with the family. Shoot some fireworks off. Stoke up that barbecue. Cook some uh, some amazing food. So hopefully everyone had a great holiday. I actually just talked to my doctor buddy, and he told me that his 4th of July was spent in the hospital. Yeah, he was taking care of patients that misused fireworks and had uh, had some accidents. So hopefully nobody lost any fingers or any hands or anything like that over this wonderful holiday break. Yeah, fireworks are dangerous, people. Don't mess around. Don't give them to your kids. That's That's for sure. Anyways, let's just hop right into this episode. This is part two of my great conversation I had with Sharon, the teacher. So if you have not listened to part one, please jump back a week and catch yourself up and then you'll be right where we are today. And today we just continue on with more great tips and more great ideas on how to keep our kids kind of in tune to learning and keep them sharp over the summer break. It's just really nice talking to a professional, a teacher, someone who is in the classroom with the kids. They know exactly where the kids are. Their life is education. So it's great getting their perspective and hearing what they have to say. They know what our kids need. They know if you don't keep up on these things, then your kids are going to fall behind. So let's just uh, sit back, relax, and uh, let's get into part two. There's things that we can use that it's really all around us. And and actually, that was another question I had for you, but you kind of already answered it. And it was about the the uh, the different types of learning with uh, learning games on phones and iPads and things. And and you've already kind of answered that about having a, a device-free summer. I know there's some <laughs> learning games on there. You know, you have Noggin and, and ABC Mouse, but I think you might have a different opinion. But my opinion is my kids seem to gravitate more towards the playing of games than of really learning anything so Mm -hmm. we've kind of we don't have any of those and we have ipads and stuff but we don't have we're not paying for any learning game services anyways it just seems kind of like a waste of money there aren't great there are great apps out there the kid might this class in particular really loved prodigy and they it's a math driven game and they loved it, but I, I don't know. I just feel like if they're at home and it's summer, they just need to be outside. And I guess what's, what drives me with that is sometimes I walk around, I live in a neighborhood here in Zionsville, and sometimes I walk around and I hear nothing. Like, mm-hmm. it's like cricket. I'm like, and I know there are tons of kids in this neighborhood. I'm like, where are all the children? Why aren't <laughs> they outside playing? <laughs> right. You know, so... 
Um, and I, th th don't get me wrong, there are plenty of families in this neighborhood whose kids, and the, the, we have a family across the street, those kids are always outside. And I love it. When I sit out on my back porch and I can hear kids' voices and the, the screaming and the yelling and the mm -hmm. you know squealing, I know they're having fun and that, that's good too. But if, if you're in, more interested as a parent in learning more about kids being outside, I read this book quite a few years ago, it's called Last Child in the Woods, Saving Our Children from Nature Deficit. Okay. And it's by Richard, Richard Love, L-O-U-V, or Louvre, I'm not sure how you say it. And it's a pretty, it's a long read, but it just gives you more insight into why kids need to be in touch with their world and not just stuck on their devices and I don't get me wrong I, I know devices are great and they can right. they can be great tools for kids but you know sometimes kids just need to be bored for a second you I 100% okay agree with that yes all right so sorry about the computer issue but we just left off with essentially talking about iPads and technology and things like that right. and I had another question to kind of piggyback off of that too and and have you and I didn't give this one to you before we started, but with the with the emergence of technology coming out, does that change how you have to teach? Do you have students that are essentially saying, well, I can just do this on my iPad or, you know, you can almost have iPads that or devices that will read things to you or I have a calculator on every, you know, everyone has a calculator on a phone and everything else. And I don't know how you combat that as a teacher. I don't know if you could right. kind of clue me in on that a little bit. Well, just just as, as technology has evolved, uh, teachers have had to evolve with it. And I think every grade level has their amount of tolerance with that. I think in first grade, I don't have kids saying, oh, I could just learn that on the, you know, I can do that on That's my That's a good point. Computer. That's probably more yeah, of a high school have... comment, but... Well, it's probably more like even third or fourth grade. Um, okay. I I know that like I see third and fourth graders, and I know that they have them, but they have phones now, and I'm I'm like, <laughs> wow. My my boys had a cell phone. I know I'm I know I'm being really old here, but they didn't have cell phones until they were in high school, and. I, I've always said that I will retire the day a first grader walks in with an operating. Now they will have play ones, right? In, true operating cell phone where they can make calls, text, and um, I'm like, I will be done if if a first grader walks in with that. But that is um, a scary moment. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is scary. I I don't know about that. I'm sorry, I got off track with your. What was your question again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's okay. You are you you answered it wonderfully. So, if you had to pick, and I know it's probably kind of a loaded question, but if you had to pick just two subjects or two things to really focus on, what would you kind of consider being the highest priority for younger aged elementary students? You know, you said that you are you've been a first grade teacher only. So, what would be something that they should really focus on throughout the break and? You may not have experience with it, but do you think that those priorities, I imagine they do, but do those priorities somewhat change as kids get older? As a primary teacher, I would say almost every teacher would tell you reading is the top priority because okay. if reading is hard for you or you can't read, you're in trouble because even math is reading sometimes. 
So you've got to have those basic foundational reading skills okay. um, down pretty well. And that's why we spend so much time in kindergarten, even preschool. I know it's, it's kind of pushed down that way on reading skills, reading and spelling. Um, and then as they, once they have those reading skills in place, then you can get into more of those higher level thinking, critical thinking, thinking about the text, what's going on more, okay. more so, but and that, that's what probably um, third, second, third, fourth, fifth, you know, they would probably tell you to m more focus on not just reading, but reading with a purpose, like reading for information or reading to answer a question, because those are the kinds of skills that they're going to need. But in, in, in primary, definitely reading. And then I would also, uh, on top of that, say math facts. And I, okay. I just, just like your normal math facts, probably in first grade up to 20 or, you know, where the sum or difference is 20, you know, depending on the kid, maybe going higher. But just if you have those basic math facts down, everything else with math comes a little easier for you. Kind of falls into place um, so a little I bit better. Probably, okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but so I would, I would say those, those, uh, those are my priorities as, as a teacher, always at the top of our, um, okay. our list of things that we want kids to know. It makes, yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, there's reading, reading is literally everywhere. Like you said, the back of the cereal box, the, the mm -hmm. you know, even commercials on TV or, or instructions or for devices. games and <laughs> devices, even you have to read little things on devices. Yeah. So it is, it mm -hmm. is. Yeah, that makes a good point. It's a, the, probably the, the top one, especially, you yeah. know, at this young age. So if, if you could only do one thing this summer with, with a, a child that's going to be a kindergartner, first grade, second, third, I would just read, have them read some and, you know, and, and let them pick the reading, you know, because in, in school, the teacher's always deciding, not always, but most of the time is deciding right. what you're reading. So it's nice as, um, you know, in the summer that you get to pick what you want to read. That's why, you know, we really encourage going to the library and just seeing the books and feeling the books and um, kids love picture books, but even picture books. Sometimes parents overlook picture books because they're like, oh, my child's, you know, ready for chapter books. And right. but picture books actually have re sometimes have really great vocabulary in them. And you can stop. And that's a great time to stop and go, oh, that's a great wow. We call them wow words. Like that's a okay. wow word. What does that word mean? And maybe go into the dictionary and, and look that up and find out what it means or try to use it in a sentence or I always encourage my kids to be word collectors and they come across a word like that. We had notebooks that they would write it in Okay, yeah. and then try to use that in your, in your writing. And then the, um, like you said, the picture books too, maybe, you know, I've got a younger daughter, Kennedy, and she's not, granted, she's not reading chapter books. She's only four and a half, but the picture books, I think, help children to more imagine, not have to necessarily rely on their own imagination. They can they can read a little blurb on the page, open it up, and then and then see a, an, an illustration of something, and it kind of helps them paint a picture of it, and maybe gets them more excited to continue reading books like that too. Yeah. So like that, that's a simple thing you could do with with your younger daughter is let's say you're reading a book that has a lot of rhyming in it. So you maybe sit down with her and 
make a list of the rhyming words and then what other rhyming words can you come up with and or make it a game with between her and Olivia who can come up with okay. different rhyming words and and that's learning but they don't know that it's for learning you know you've just uh, kind of sneak made it, it in there like you said right <laughs> right right and then you also said that you're a big proponent of being outside and that was kind of another question I had was, is there more to learning, you know, during the summer, like how much emphasis do you put on building those social skills with other kids or learning additional independence and, and stuff like that? Do you put a lot of emphasis or, or should parents put a lot of emphasis on that during the summer as well? Um, or does that just I, kind of come to it? Does that just kind of come along with playing with friends outside? Maybe it's right. already kind of incorporated in there. Yeah, I think it's that like gradual release of responsibility, you know, developmentally, where's your child, how mature are they, can they handle, you know, being, you know, on the driveway for a few minutes while you run in to get a soda or something like those right. kinds of things. Those are like good moments as a parent for you to like kind of test the waters. It, it's good for you as parents too to let them do, to be more independent. Um as as teachers, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but we did see a lot um, coming out of the COVID, you know, kids being home, learning at home through devices and things, mm -hmm. you know, parents doing a lot for them. And so we saw a lot of a lot more immaturity, I think, in our in each of our grade levels. We've had those conversations okay. as teachers because, you know, kids were home and um, parents were doing things for them instead of letting them do things and um, getting assisted so, in every aspect of everything. Right. So they kind of reverted right. back to, you know, that almost that younger child, that little bit more immature where they, right. they right. may have grown out of being in school and, and you as teachers giving them more independence and, and giving them tasks to do around school. Let's see, what else do I have? So you, oh, I already, we already kind of touched on this. You provide a lot of resources. Like I said, you, you keep a list of things that you've sent out for parents to do things like go to the reading program, which we've been to the library many times already this summer. Good, um, good. <laughs> and encouraging kids to write you letters, keeping a journal, counting money when shopping. And then we, we understand that teachers are already spread quite thin throughout the whole year. And I assume the, the end of the year is no different. So if other parents don't receive an email or they don't receive ideas from their teachers, is it okay to reach out to their student's teacher to ask for it or, or get some sort of information? And when should they do that? Would there be a right time to do that? Right. Um, as the school year is winding down uh, in those last two, three, four weeks of school, those are good times to be touching base with your child's teacher. I, I would say majority of teachers I know do send out some sort of summer list of things that, that kids can do, but they're easily found. This isn't anything new or special to our school district. They're easily found, like I said, on Pinterest or just a, a quick Google search. What, what can kids like first graders do in the summer okay. kind of thing. And I mean, parent, I, any teacher who wants their, wants what's best for their 
students, and that's just about everybody I know, <laughs> would be more than willing <laughs> to like provide you or um, their parents with a list of things that they can do over the summer. Because we want we want the con- learning to be continuous too, and to make it easy, make an easy transition into whatever that next grade level is. Right. And that just, yeah, that's, I mean, you mentioned that you, you've been teaching for so long, so you have to be somewhat passionate about children and learning and, and watching them grow. So you, you want to do everything that you can in your power to help them. And it sometimes it kind of boils down to how much a parent wants to be involved. And honestly, I hate to say it, but there's going to be some parents that, that don't want to do that legwork. So Parents, get up and get out there. If your teachers didn't give you something, you can find it online. So don't don't uh, don't be the lazy parent. You got to keep your kids learning all summer. So, <laughs> all right. Do you have any uh, closing statements before we kind of wrap this up? Um, no, I I really enjoyed this conversation. I wish um, I wish I, I more parents would want to have it with, um, with their teachers. And because I, I'm pretty sure I'm not saying anything new or, or or shattering, I think. And all of my teacher friends would answer these questions pretty much the same way. Like I said, I, you know, don't learn from an older parent's mistakes in like doing, try to do something over the summer and, you know, try to get kids outside. That's, that's my whole thing. I, I, that's been my kind of push for the last five or six years, um, because I think we're losing touch with, with nature. And um, it's so good for kids to be outside and just see the world around them and appreciate it. Because who's going to take care of it, care of it if, if it's not our next generation of kids? Right. And you must love Nature Day. And that's I think that's really great <laughs> that that our Zionsville schools here do Nature Day. I don't know if that's limited to I don't I can't imagine it's just our the, the elementary school that does that. I imagine many schools do that, but that's that's uh that's you must be really excited to get well, outside all day. I, with I don't kids. I can't talk to I, I don't know what other elementaries do, but it is it was a brainchild actually of one of my students a few years ago, it's probably three or four years ago now, um, we, I had taken them outside to just do a writing activity or something. And we were just all enjoying being outside. And I remember this little boy named Brady goes, wouldn't it be great if we could be outside all day and do <laughs> all of our learning out here? And I thought, why not? So that's Light why. Bulb, right? um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's why we um, created at Union. We have a great campus for that because we've got a lot of outdoor um, areas um, that are nature friendly. So we, it's a first grade Union thing. I don't. Okay. I, I would love to like make it a district wide or a, or a school wide. Um, right. I, I I think it would be great for everybody. I mean, I have kids from couple years ago come back and go you know what my favorite thing was that we did was nature day and <laughs> it almost always shows up uh, and for your listeners who don't know what nature day is we just we pack up our backpacks with a water bottle and all of our school supplies and we spend the entire day outside and it's we do it as a first grade and we set up little stations we have we read outside we do writing activities we do social studies of course, science lends itself easily to that. And the kids, it's just a real memorable day for them. 
Wow, that's that's really amazing. That that I did not know that 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 is kind of a union unique thing. So that is that is really cool. So if anybody listening out there, you know, wants to maybe start something similar to this at your own elementary school, maybe start talking to people and start getting a word out there and and talk to the people in the right places that could maybe make that happen. So I think that would be that would be cool, like you said, to get this to kind of spread in other areas around the country. It'd be kind of neat. All right, Sharon. Well, thank you for taking the time. I know we 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 kind of went over our time. We had a little hiccup with computer, but thank you so much for coming in here and talking with me. And it's it's just really nice hearing your professional wisdom on this subject. I, I really do appreciate it. So thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, that about wraps up this episode of Stay at Home Dads podcast. So be sure to reach out to me with any questions or even reach out to your child's teachers if you have any questions for them about what you can do over summer break. Also, be sure to follow this podcast over on podbean.com and remember to download it on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. And thank you again, Sharon. And uh, to all the listeners out there, thank you. And I'll talk to you next week.